And it's just beginning, really. Uh, it is my joy uh, to introduce our speaker this morning, Keith Wheeler, uh, was the person who preached the very first message in this building. Our inaugural service was uh, January 29th, 2007, and uh, I invited him to come because I have never met a person. This is totally truthful and honest. I have never met a person that oozes Jesus more than this man. Uh, I just feel like I'm in his presence to be around Keith. Uh, but Keith is the most normal, natural human being. Uh, you need to know when your pastor is in deep crisis, this is the guy I go to. And there's something about his strength that uh, can put a broken man back together. And I just give thanks to God that my path has crossed the path of Keith Wheeler, and I've been blessed with his friendship. Uh, but the Lord has done incredible things in Keith's life, not just as he carried his cross, but have you noticed who's sitting next to him this morning? Nicole, would you stand and let us just thank God for your gift to us and your gift to him? Keith, bro, you're blessed. And it's such a joy to have you come and just share God with us this morning. We love you. Let's give Keith Wheeler a warm, abiding harvest welcome as he comes to share the Lord with us. Good morning. I'm trying to figure this out. Uh, that is way too big for me. So uh, this one looks about my size. Is, who's is That's this? That's fine. Whose was this? Uh, do it's you mind now. if I take it? Yeah. And I'm going to bring it down here if that's all right. I'll try not to. Gosh, the last thing I need you to be doing is singing a song and then start singing another song. <laughs> of course, if everybody always laughs, I just make up the words as I go along. If I don't know them, I just, just make something up. Um, it is awesome. It's really, really wonderful to be able to be with you. Uh, there's so many thoughts in my, in my heart and in my mind as I stand before you today. Uh, first of all, thanks. Thanks for welcoming us. Uh, thanks for welcoming my, my sweet princess. Uh, I will say this. Sometimes people say, princess, she's not your daughter. I know she looks like my daughter, but she is not my daughter. Uh, so why would you call your wife your princess? Well, uh, first of all, have you ever watched a Disney movie? And have you ever seen a nice queen? <laughs> there are way too many people wanting to be queens, but every queen I've ever seen is always grumpy and upset and, and mean and cruel and angry. And, and, and she's not. She's everything that's not that. And, and besides that, if you've ever watched a Disney princess, they're always happy, and they're noble, and they're fun, and they're likable, and everybody wants to be around them. So I'm married to a, a fairy tale princess, is what I call her. And uh, we are upside down, head over heels, crazy in, in love with each other. The other reason, just, just on the princess thing, is there's only one king. And I am not him. And he's the king of all kings. 
And, and so if I remember that she is his daughter, it's going to make a whole lot of difference in the way that I treat her. Men. Uh, just that was a side note for, for all of us. And, and the other thing is, fellas, I just want to encourage you, pursue your princesses. Uh, many of us men, we get the girl and then we're done and we move on to the next adventure, the next conquest. But fellas, we've got the, the privilege of pursuing our princesses' hearts every day. And I know that there's five love languages, but, but ladies, as I'm getting to know, I think that you all speak all five love languages and probably all seven dialects of each love language. So I've made it my goal to become proficient in 35 dialects of love language to pursue her. But more than I love her, I am upside down, head over heels, crazy, crazy, crazy in love with Jesus. I don't just love him because it's right, and it is right to love him. But I've fallen in love with him. And I have people call me different things in different places as I go around the world. Sometimes I'm called Pastor Keith. Sometimes I'm called Evangelist Wheeler. Uh, you, you get all these, these terms. And I don't know. Jesus never told me what I am. But I think... Good morning, sir. Man, that's one of my heroes. And, and, but he's also one of the reasons that I'm always intimidated to come here. <laughs> he was the dean of the seminary when I came here to Tulsa. And, uh, okay, so I'm going to be a little more nervous now. It's kind of like you, all of a sudden you realize the Holy Spirit is here. I just realize he's here. <laughs> But I'm, I'm not an evangelist. I'm, I'm not a preacher. I'm, I think I've discovered what I am. I'm a Jesusologist. And a Jesusologist is someone who studies Jesus. And he's my passion. I dream about him. I think about him. I love to read books about him. I love to sing songs about him. I love to watch movies about him. I'm in love with him. And he's the reason for this celebration. And yet I think that uh, as, as we come into this celebration, he would say, happy birthday. Happy birthday for what's happened here. And, and so I, I've come to celebrate. I've, I've come to honor you guys and what you all have done but I know it's not just been you guys, it's been a team. I love the fact that you're excited about Nepal. And it just thrills my heart to hear what's happening in Nepal. When I first went to Nepal, back in 1993, there were 12 <laughs> believers in the whole nation. And it was absolutely forbidden and punishable in severe ways to reach out to people to tell them about Jesus. In fact, as I walked for 10 days from Pokhara to Kathmandu, uh, winding mountain roads, I met two believers on the whole trip. And one was a missionary from nearby India 
And the other was a lady who had a vision of Jesus. And she and her husband and her three sons had said yes to Jesus. Her husband and three sons had been stoned to death because of their faith in Jesus. And to hear now that you all are building a church there is beautiful. It's, it's fun to see how things come full circle. This wasn't part of my message as I was, uh, but as I was sitting there, I was thinking about when, when I began carrying the cross, how foolish that was to so many people that, uh, that I would carry a cross, especially to my mama and daddy. That's not exactly what you want your child to grow up doing is carrying a 12-foot wooden cross around the world. And, and I don't know what they had in their mind, but I'm, I'm sure it was much worse than actual what I do. Uh, I think they pictured me with a bullhorn and a cross on my shoulder and uh, barefoot with my children living in a park. <laughs> and uh, they never had seen it. We'd always been close, but... Once I started carrying the cross, they, they kind of changed um, their perspective about me. They didn't disown me, but things weren't always the same as they had been. Instead of calling once every few days, they called about once a month, maybe once every two months. It wasn't until, though, a few years went down the, the road, I think it was five years, and some local pastors in my hometown invited me to come and carry the cross and celebrate and then we would have a big rally in our high school gymnasium there were a lot of people there mom and daddy had to come out because they were involved in the media they came out and at the end of the walk one of the pastors said to my father mr wheeler why don't you carry your cross well Peer pressure works two ways. There's negative peer pressure that gets people to do stuff, but there's positive peer pressure that gets people to do things. And this peer pressure caused my father to say yes, and he walked about 50 yards with me carrying the cross. As we got close to the high school, he said, son, I think you need to walk with it now, and, and I did. But he walked beside me the rest of the way. That night as I spoke at my high school gymnasium, I, the bleachers were full, I was at center court, but I couldn't see anybody because they had a spotlight on me. I had the cross there, there was nothing else. The mic that I had was one with the, the tail on it. As I gave an invitation to say yes to Jesus, I couldn't see any movement. I could hear people moving to come to the foot of the cross. But once I could see in, inside that circle of light, the first person kneeling at the foot of the cross to say yes to Jesus was my daddy. And the next person was my mama. And, and I say that full circle. When, when God called you guys to do this, you didn't know what it was going to look like, and you didn't know the circle of the people the influence that you were going to have. You, you had no idea of the impact that was going to be made in individuals' lives along the way. And I loved how you 
and, and, and let me just say this. This is twice that this has happened, where I've had to follow you. Uh, I spoke up in Tennessee recently, and, and it's just not right that I have to follow him in speaking. Uh, and, and just even that little bit was just so sweet and so blessed and you know the but I had to follow him there but so as as I as I look at the the fact that you guys started this and you had no idea where you were going I look now and I hear each one of your stories I watched the videos we looked at the the clocks out outside what a journey you know, a few years ago, my princess and I had the privilege of carrying the cross to the top of Mount Kilimanjaro. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. People say, would you do it again? Not unless my children said, we want to go with you. Or maybe Scott Burnett would say, he wants to go with me. <laughs> but it, it was cold the food was the same every day. It's just bland because you have to eat carbohydrates to keep you going. You're sleeping in a tent on the ground, and that's okay, but you're on a mountain that's like this. So you're, you're sliding to the bottom of your tent. Um, you're, you're wet. It's, it's just, there's nothing comfortable about it. But you get to the last night, and, and as, as you, you look up, you, you see we're, we're almost there. We've been walking Seven days till that time, we'd walk a full week every day you're walking. And, and it's not technical climbing. That's why we could take the cross up there. Uh, there were places where we would be on, on rock faces. Someone would climb up a little higher. We'd pass the cross up to them, and then they would, I would climb up ahead of them. They would pass the cross up to me. But for the most part, you're just walking high, 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 eventually over to 19,000 feet. But that last night, you begin at 11 p.m. And, and there's a reason that you begin at 11 p.m. Because it's going to be a long day, and you want to summit as the sun is coming up. It's a beautiful scene as you look down on all of Africa from the highest point in Africa. But it's, it's more than just you want to arrive and see the sunrise. Because as we turn and we have to go back down the mountain, now it's daylight. Because all night long, we've been walking in the darkness. All you can see is, is that little bit of light where your, your headlight is shining on the mountain face. But as we turn around and we come down, we saw what we had just passed in the darkness. We had come past cliff faces and steep drop-offs, uh, jagged edges, slippery slopes. There is no way that if we would have known how difficult it was, would we have begun the journey. And so often, God allows you to start something in the dark because if you saw how difficult it was going to be, you never would have started it. And by the way, our guide's name was Emmanuel. Never start a difficult journey without Emmanuel as your guide. So today I, I want to honor 
all of those who've prayed, all those who've given, all those who've worked, all those who have given of your life to this place. And the Bible talks about us remembering. The Bible talks about remembrance. In fact, there's a book of remembrance. But, but I, I want to say, like, when, when you began, God didn't call you to take a leap of faith. He calls us to walk by faith. It's not biblical to leap by faith. When you walk, and now I've walked more than the distance around the world with a cross. I didn't leap around the world. I, one step at a time. And this place didn't happen overnight. It's one step at a time. There's, there's a scripture that says it this way. In Exodus chapter 13, beginning in verse 17, it says, Then it came to pass, when Pharaoh had let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that way was nearer. Because God said, lest perhaps the people change their mind when they see war and they return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. There was an easier way. There's a shorter way. And as we look back, the way that God led you all was not necessarily the easiest way that you could have done it. It wasn't necessarily the smoothest way. It wasn't the way without any obstacles. Because if you would have seen those obstacles, you may never have started the journey. Now, you're, you're supposed to remember what God has done. But here's the challenge. As you walk forward, you can't walk forward while you're looking back. We are to remember what happened back here. We are to remember the victories. We are to remember that God led us through the darkness, through the lands of difficulties and challenges. Even though there was another way that was nearer, God has led us. But you can't walk in a straight line while you're looking backwards. What has happened before is a memorial. And those memorials are to encourage us for the battles to come in the future. God did this to remind us that's nothing. <laughs> Last night, my, my wife and I go to bed a little bit early. Because she likes to wake up about 3.30 in the morning. She likes to be with Jesus in the closet and then... Then she comes after about an hour and gets me out of bed. Notice I didn't say she wakes me up. I just get out of bed and we go to the gym. And we work out. And then I come back and I, I'm starting to wake up. So we go to bed a little earlier than most people. And there was a, a game being played on television last night down in Waco, Texas. I, I know some of you root for a team that wears orange and some people wear, root for a team that wears crimson. So those of you who root for the orange team might not know what the other team was doing last night. But, but I didn't know it last night. We, we just went to bed. It was a long day for both of us. We went to bed early. And then I, I heard a dog barking in our backyard. And frequently 